Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Episode 39 of Journey into Paul's Imagination. I'm really excited to talk today because I just got out of my second screening of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and I just felt the need that I had to just record now, kind of get all my thoughts off, um, and have really the most thorough review for you guys. So I'm going to end that off at the end of the episode. Um, I will, and I'll give you the heads up, it will be a full spoiler tons of spoilers in that review um so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you plan to i'll tell you when um it is no longer safe but when that time comes it will be a spoiler um review heads up this episode probably be shorter um along with the next few we got some fun personal stuff going on um but of course that takes up a lot of time which means some of these things kind of take away what i can do in the parks leading to less to talk about Um, so some of my next few episodes might be a little bit shorter than usual. Um, but let's get right into it because I want to get into my Ant-Man review as soon as we can. Um, our, the way kind of the episode is lined up today might be a little bit different just to kind of keep the entertainment news flow right into my movie review for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So, um, might be a little different, but I think it'll just make a little bit more sense. So let's start with our park news. Um, and first before... Actually, any Disney news, I feel the need to mention this because it's pretty massive. Um, and I know I don't normally usually talk about Universal Studios Orlando, but Super Nintendo World has officially been announced for Universal Studios Orlando. I know that has pretty much been like the obvious. I know like everyone pretty much knows that already, but now it's like officially official. It was announced at the opening of Super Nintendo World in Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, so that is confirmed and I believe it, it's already confirmed for Epic universe as well. Um, I believe you could actually could see construction of the land literally going up. So as a recent purchase that I made of a Nintendo switch, I'm actually excited to go there. Um, I've heard good things about the, uh, about the land. So if you're a Nintendo fan, universal studios, I will be a place you'll be wanting to go in the near future, but back to Disney and actually let's start over at Disneyland. Um, because I have uh, two updates over there. So first, with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania releasing this past weekend, Kang the Conqueror is now meeting at Avengers Campus in Disney's California Adventure. Um, it's been pretty funny seeing some of the, the comments towards it, because, I mean, the the suit looks great. It's just Kang doesn't look very Kang-like. Um, it's hard to look like Jonathan Majors. But... um. The suit looks great. It looks great in the film as well. That That's a major pro. So if I don't forget, um, Kang the Conqueror is probably one of the best design suits in all of Marvel Studios that I've seen. Um, and you get to meet him at Disney's California Adventure, which is really cool. Another update also is San Francisco Square is going to open at Disney's California Adventure this summer, inspired by Big Hero 6. I feel like... Disney's California Adventure is kind of becoming, and it's similar to Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it's kind of just becoming a melting spot for like different, just different franchise lands to go. And I actually think it works a lot better there than it does Hollywood Studios. I mean, there you have Cars Land, you have Avengers Campus, you have Pixar Pier. Um, It all just works really well, I feel like. like. I feel like just having all these random areas inspired from different movies. It, it just works. Um, I mean, two of the lands are Pixar. 
One of the other ones is Avengers Campus. Technically, Big Hero 6 is also produced by Marvel, so you got Marvel and Pixar there. Um, it's really cool. I love the vibe, and I think this is an awesome addition to California Adventure. So um, I'll be excited to share more updates as we find out, but that's something cool opening this summer. But let's jump back to Walt Disney World. First, for our annual pass holders, um, I hope you were able to get a Tron Light Cycle run preview. We got ours. We're going again Monday, March 6th at night. Um, so I'm excited to give it another spin. Um, also just excited to give it a more in-depth review. I know I kind of quickly glanced at it last time, and it's it's a short attraction too, so I feel like I need to do it a second time to to fully process it. So excited to be able to share that with you. Um, not next Monday, but the following, and be able to to share my feelings on that. Um, some food updates. There is over at the Marketplace Snacks at Disney Springs, there's now a Tinkerbell Waffle Sunday. I love these Waffle Sundays that they're doing over there. They they always look really cool. Um, they're good. They're really affordable. They're only $8.99, and you get a lot. It's a great dessert item. Um, this one doesn't sound appealing to me, but maybe for you. So it's a vanilla soft serve, lemon curd, strawberries, kiwi, white chocolate pearls, strawberry covered biscuit sticks with a bubble waffle. Um, and it has like Tinkerbell's, um, like little fairy wings on it. So it looks really nice. If you're a Tinkerbell fan, I'm sure it's a must get for you. Um, and it's available now. Another update is Narcoosie's over at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort is going to be reopening on April 1st with some new menu items. Um, already just looking, the artisan bowl of sordo bread looks really good. It looks better than the bread they've had previously. Um, they're going to have a ocean-inspired charcuterie board, which you guys know I'm not a seafood person, but I feel like for seafood people, that is a huge deal. They're also adding blackened red fish, roasted vegetable paella, paella, and dry-aged pork ribeye with some new desserts. Um, I love Narcoosie's. I think it's one of the – well, I think it's in my top 20 if I'm not mistaken. It's a very good dining, gorgeous restaurant with some of the most underrated firework views from a restaurant. Um, and if you're looking for something different with a new menu type, maybe this is the time now, April 1st, with Narcoosie's reopening. Of course, next or this upcoming weekend is Run Disney's Princess Weekend. So we did get a um, a merchandise sneak peek, and just to put it out there, I'm I'm not the biggest princess person. My goal this year, especially having gone on a Disney cruise, was to do every run every race weekend. Um, so that way I could say that I, I did every weekend, including actually running the Castaway Key 5K challenge. So I'm only doing, or not the challenge, just the 5K there. But anyway, so I'm running the 5K on Friday. Um, so this is, it doesn't feel as like exciting for me as some of the other weekends. I'm only running the 5K. I'm not really a princess fan, so I'm not really looking forward to the expo like I will other races. But if you're a princess fan, I mean, you might like some of the merchandise, um, of course, they have all the I Did It shirts that came out. They have another Spirit jersey with all the animation from this uh, this race. They've released some cork uh, corksicles, um, pins. They've got a lounge fly. The ears, I feel like, for anyone who loves, like, you know, the Mickey mini ears, probably is a good get for you. 
Um, and it looks like they also going to have some sweatshirts for some of the races. So like I said, if you're a princess fan and you're running, uh, the run Disney princess half marathon weekend, you'll probably be a fan of some of the things that are, that are being released this upcoming weekend. Um, this past weekend, so we did get to do some Disney stuff. We actually went to Disney's blizzard beach for the first time since our Disney college program in 2017. It's almost been six years since we've gone there. Um, we, on our annual pass, we added a, um, a water park feature where we can, we can go. Um, so we went, spent the afternoon there, got to hang out in the lazy river. We did one, one ride, hung out in the, um, hung out in the wave pool for a little bit and got some snacks. I, I truly love the theming of Blizzard Beach. I'm more of a Typhoon Lagoon person. I just, I prefer the attractions there. I like the water, uh, the wave pool better and I enjoy the lazy river better but from a theming perspective I mean it's great like blizzard beach feels like it almost feels like you're like like it has a very similar feel of like castaway key in a way um it's really weird but anyways while we were there we actually got to check out the new frozen touches in blizzard beach um there was some criticisms about like changing the theming of the overall resort I don't get that from the, like, the Frozen Touches are only in the kids section at Blizzard Beach. They really, like, they really don't change much. Like, if you were going there just for that, you'd be pretty disappointed because it's not much. Um, but it works. It's like young Anna Elsa, Olaf is there. It's in the kids section. I mean, it's, you know, a blizzard that took over into Florida. I, f I feel like it still goes with the theme. Um so I know there was some criticism when that got released. I personally think it works, and I don't think it overtakes the park either. It's not like when you go to Blizzard Beach now, you feel like you're walking into a frozen water park. Um, that is not it at all. It's very small. Like, it's it's cool. It works perfect. Like, I, I think it works really nice. Um, it, it doesn't feel like frozen screaming in your face. I mean, if we didn't go looking for it, we probably would have never seen it. So, um... So, yeah, I was glad we were able to get to see it. We also tried – I know people rave about the Joffrey's mini donuts. So we got them. We tried it with the white chocolate uh, dipping sauce. I thought it was good. I don't think it's as good as people say it is, and maybe it's just the white chocolate dipping sauce. But they're basically munchkins with a dipping sauce. I didn't love the white chocolate dipping sauce. Maybe I would try chocolate next time. Um, the mini donuts themselves fall apart really easily, so – you have to like be strategic about dipping it into the dipping sauce. So they were good. Like I think they were a good value for what you get. Um, I just personally don't really get the hype behind it. Um, but I will say we did get nachos there that were delicious. So we actually preferred the nachos over the mini donuts. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes at the water parks, they have really good like generic um, meals a put like compared to what the parks have um but we enjoyed the mini donuts are good nachos i just thought were better and a little bit more underrated um another thing we got to do this weekend is we got to go with our friends kaylin and bianca over to trader sam's um at disney's polynesian resort one of my favorite places to go to i've only gotten to go actually before this one time at the disneyland hotel in california one time probably about almost two years ago now over at the Polynesian. Um, it's 
it's always so hard to get in there. Like I've been to the outdoor area numerous times, but you, you really don't know if you have a shot to get inside. But, um, we went at like nine o'clock, put our name on the list. Luckily, like 45 minutes later, we got a call back at first it was standing room, but then we were able to get a seat and it was great. I mean, Trader Sam's is easily one of the coolest bars you'll ever go to. Um, most of the drinks on there, kind of, if you're unfamiliar with Trader Sam's uh, Grog Grotto, it basically is, it's like a speakeasy. And depend, I mean, the drinks are definitely pricey, but depending on what you order, a lot of the drinks will trigger something in the room to happen. There's a whole presentation that goes along with a lot of the drinks. So like um, my buddy Kalen got the Oaha, I think Oaha. And that has a huge presentation that goes along with it. Um, it, it can drink two people. Um, I personally just like it for myself and consider it two drinks for me. Um, but there's fire on it. There's rain. There's stuff going on. It's, re- it's a really cool experience. Um, there's really nothing like it that I've experienced. But it's such a great vibe. It is a little bit of a pain because you do have to – like you can't go right before closing and expect to get a spot – you can't go and expect to go right in. Like, you have to time it right. Um, we were going specifically for Trader Sam's, so we were okay waiting a little bit. But um, the Woha, we I've had before, and it's great. Um, our friend Bianca actually got a non-alcoholic drink that I actually really liked. It was the Polynesian Punch. Um, very unique, like not a typical drink that you would get somewhere. But um, it was really good, and you get it with a souvenir cup which for like, I think it was like nine or 10 bucks, which the, I think the cups in there are awesome. Like we got one, um, I forget. I think we got the Mai Tai, um, a f- when we went last time. I mean, it's a great mug and it, but it used it more as like a decor. Um, but anyways, I love the cups in there. Um, but this time Lindsay and I got the Tahitian torch, which is Tito's Vodka, Tropical Juices, Passion Fruit, and Fresh Lime Juice. If you are a fan of Pog Juice, it's basically an alcoholic beverage with Pog Juice. And it worked like you would never taste the alcohol. And also a good thing with Trader Sam's if you're looking to get a nice little buzz is everything's pretty strong. Um, So I was a huge fan of the Tahitian Torch. Um, Did not come with a special presentation, but nonetheless, it was delicious. Um, I'd probably consider like if I were to sit outside and get a drink to get the Tahitian torch, but nonetheless, Trader Sam's always a blast. So much fun to go to. Um, If you haven't been already, I highly, highly recommend. But all right, let's get into our entertainment news. Um, First off, we had found out that two Disney Plus shows were being canceled after their two se- first two seasons. Um, that is The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, and Big Shot. So I'll start with Big Shot starring John Stamos. Um, I loved season one. I was very surprised. It's basically about a collegiate basketball coach who is forced out, who is kicked out of coaching in, in the NCAA for throwing a chair at an, a referee. And now he's coaching um, high school basketball, women's basketball at an all girls school. And just, you know, kind of dealing with those challenges. He's divorced, he's living with his daughter for the first time in California. Season one is fantastic. It's done really well. Season two, they don't really have the right direction, but then they leave off with a cliffhanger. So it's really unfortunate that the show didn't continue. Um, 
I would assume viewership must have been low for the show, especially because this is one of the few shows that they released all in one shot. Um, it Normally, Disney Plus takes the route of releasing weekly. So um, even though I didn't care for season two, I am disappointed because I did think season one was really good. I thought John Stamos was really good. Um, so unfortunate to see that be canceled. The show I'm really disappointed got canceled was Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I'm sure a lot of people weren't really excited for this to come out. And I'll be honest, season one wasn't great. It had its moments, but it didn't have the charm. I know when Coach Bombay was no longer in the show, a lot of people were like, oh, this is going to fall flat. I actually thought season two was a lot better. I thought the storyline were be- was better. I thought the characters were better. I thought everyone served a purpose. I thought season two was so good. I thought it had the same charm as the original Mighty Ducks. I know a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy, and I'm sure a lot of the people that think that probably haven't watched the show, but I really thought season two um, was giving us hope and that we were going to see a really good show moving forward. Um, so I, I'm really bummed about that. Really thought that season two of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers is one of the best shows Disney Plus has put out. Outside of the Marvel and Disney, uh, Marvel and Lucasfilm projects, but like out of the stuff that Disney themselves have released, I thought it was one of the best. So I'm a bit bummed to lose it. Thought it was a good show. Um, but nonetheless, those two shows will not be renewed on Disney+. Plus. Another thing coming is the Marvels was moved um, to November 10th from the original summer release. And the Haunted Mansion was moved up to July 28th. Um, Monica Rambo's character, I believe, is pregnant, which I wonder if that had an impact on the Marvels being pushed back. But nonetheless, it makes sense. I was always kind of curious why um, why we were going to have, you know, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania just released this past weekend. Then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 releases come uh, the beginning of May. I thought July was probably a little too soon to release a... Um, to release another Marvel movie. Also on top of that, we have Indiana Jones 5 at the end of June. Um, we have Little Mermaid Memorial Day weekend. I just thought there was a little a lot going on under the Disney umbrella. Even having Little Mermaid a few weeks after Guardians of the Galaxy feels a bit strange to me. It just feels like they have a lot of big projects being put together. Um, but nonetheless... Um, those two movies are are moving around. So, anyways, before we get into the Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania review, um, I did get to watch on Disney Plus last week the Making the Wish, Disney's newest cruise ship, which is a National Geographic documentary about the Disney Cruise Line's newest cruise ship, the Disney Wish. Um, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was an excellent documentary. Seeing the way a cruise ship is built is really unique and. Even just that in itself is really cool. Um, I know there was a lot of conversations about, you know, the Disney Wish cutting it really close um, to to, and it, it it full on tells you that in the documentary. It was really interesting to see. I wish there were certain parts like we don't really see how nineteen twenty three was built or how the um how the frozen sing along dinner whatever you want to call it or Arendelle is what it's called was built, um, they focused a lot on World of Marvel, but overall it was really cool. If you're a Disney Cruise Line fan or you just are interested in cruises and kind of want a nice, like, 
behind the scenes. I think it's a great documentary, paced really well. I thought it was really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. So highly recommend it. It's on Disney Plus too. But all right, let's get into Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the review. I'm going to give you five, a five-second countdown that there will be spoilers coming. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. All right, if you are still with us, we're doing a spoiler-filled review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, this is the beginning of Phase 5. I feel like a lot of people had high expectations for this film, considering it would be the introduction to Kang, the new big bad. Um, and I had high expectations, too. Not necessarily for the movie, but just Kang in general. Um, but I digress. If you've seen social media at this point... On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie is getting blasted with really poor reviews from movie critics, but really high reviews from the audience. Um, I think all of, like, this has been one of the most conflicting movies that I've seen, and I just don't get why. I mean, if you, if you put on your, like, film critic glasses, like, yes, there are a lot of flaws to this movie. It is far from perfect. There are a lot of things wrong with it. However, it's still a really fun movie. Like, I'm one who I am a lot more optimistic probably about Phase 4 than most were. Um, I think that they lacked at the movies. But I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumadia, I think it's better than Thor Love and Thunder. I think it's better than Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Um, I don't think it's as good as Shang-Chi, Spider-Man No Way Home, or Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But I think it's a really solid Marvel film. Are there some issues? Yes. But I don't think you can compare it to Thor Love and Thunder and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and say, this is terrible, like Marvel has really lost their way. Like, to me, this actually felt like a fine start to Phase 5. Um, maybe I wasn't expecting as much as everyone else. I didn't expect this to be the Spider-Man No Way Home of Phase 5. Um, I expected this to be a solid film. It's it's really probably what I expected out of it, just thinking of the movie holistically. Now, there are still things about it that I didn't like, and we'll get into that. Um, but let me start by saying this. And I, I've read a lot of reviews so far, and I've a lot of my ideas I, I agree with other people. Um, and one thing I heard a lot was, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania should have been a Disney Plus series. That was never going to happen because of Paul Rudd. He's too big of an actor, and this is just too big of a property at this point to go to streaming. Um, but I couldn't agree more. There, This movie is different in the fact that Doctor Strange Multiverse of Menace is very short and can't deliver the story. Like, it's rushing through the story. Um... Same thing in Thor Love and Thunder. You're kind of rushing through the story. Yes, you're rushing through the story here somewhat. But what I think more so they needed was just to build on certain parts of the movie, especially in the beginning. The beginning is very rushed. Then it goes into a fine pacing. Like I would say about 40 minutes into the movie through the end is perfectly fine. It's just the first 45 minutes or so where you're like, okay, this was really rushed and a lot needed to be fleshed out. Um, and you got a lot going on. You got 
really the first true introduction to Cassie Lang, uh, Scott Lang's daughter, um, which that in itself, you know, is a lot considering Scott Lang's whole purpose is his daughter. You have the quantum realm, which is introduced. You have the big bad of Kang the Conqueror introduced. And you have this whole civilization of people or creatures that live in the quantum realm. In two hours, that's a lot of story to tell on top of the plot of the actual movie. So, and I think Marvel could have did the six the six episode show with this. Like this didn't need to be like a 10 episode show. The six episodes would have been fine. So here are my thoughts. Um, A, this movie should have taken place before Loki season one. I think the first 40 minutes were building up to the Conqueror and him. And I think as a as a Marvel fan, going into this movie, you you know who they're talking about. It's you know, it, there's no surprise of who it's gonna be. You know, like you know Jonathan Majors is Kang the Conqueror. So when you see him in the quantum realm, um with Michelle Fiverr as Janet's character, you're not surprised. Like, you know exactly pretty much what's going to happen. I think the payoff would have been much greater for those scenes had this come before Loki, and we had no idea anything about Kang. Um, and then after this movie came out, boom, you get to see Kang the Conqueror as um, he who remains in the final episode of Loki. That's my opinion. I think that would have been better. But anyways, I would have also done this as a show. Episode one, I would have done life after the blip with Scott and Cassie. And really, you know, everybody. Like the whole, you know, all all five of them. Um, because we don't really, like Cassie, the introduction to Cassie is so rushed. We don't really get to know her um, at all. Like she's, we're just rushed into the story that, we don't get to learn her character, which is unfair to her, the actress. It puts just puts a, a difficult situation for that character to shine. Um, and it's I feel like it needed that because we hear about, you know, after effects of the blip of rent being high and these social activism movements going on and how Cassie wants to be involved, but we don't really see Scott Lang have any interest in helping people. He's more focused on himself and his family and I think that would have made for a really good start of the film, especially because we don't really have anything major to show just average life after the blip. So I think that would have been a really interesting episode. Then episode two, we discover that Cassie is working on something. Um, frustration between, you know, obviously Janet's really frustrated. Why are you messing with the quantum realm? Um, and then basically that leads into um janet preparing to tell her secret and then everyone sucked into the quantum realm episode three is where we get janet and kang in the quantum realm at this point we would not have known that jonathan majors is going to be kang the conqueror we don't even know kang the conqueror is coming um but we're that whole story and it's played off beautifully in the movie um we're kind of getting flashbacks of that while also meeting the people of the quantum realm um, and, you know, the confusion of the characters. And we're just going back, forth, back, forth. Um, and then obviously you have the Kang reveal. And then we learn about the quantum people and how they're affected by Kang being there. Um, that would have been obviously a super action-packed episode. And part of it could have bled into episode four as well. 
But overall, I think that would have been the general idea for three. We would have had that fleshed out, also giving it a reveal more than like just letting you know again, hey, Kang is here. So episode five, we could have learned in that part the the struggles of Kang conquering. And you get the whole middle of the movie as well. Um, Ant-Man is captured by Kang the Conqueror. Um, that whole thing. Janet, Hank, and Hope split. Like, you get that whole thing. Episode 5, at this point, everyone's reconnected. Kang has the multiverse engine. Kate, uh, Cassie's breaking everyone. Like, at this point, you're just kind of going into the ebbs and flows of the movie. Um, and basically, from there, you end with Kang sending MODOK to kill Cassie. Um, and then episode six is basically the whole ending of the movie. Um, so again, not much how to be changed. I just think it's really the beginning, like episode, like we would have got really for, you know, a whole other movie out of just the beginning, which I think was necessary to learn about Cassie Lang, which my second time watching this movie, I struggled with her character. Um, I like her character, but I think the writing for it is really poor. Um, I just think her the whole script for her character just it needed to be revamped. It was really bad. Felt very like childish. It just it it frustrated me more my second time or the first time I liked her more. And I liked the character. I like Catherine Newton as an actress. I just the writing was really bad for her. Another issue of why I think we need something, we don't find out Janet's secret for 45 minutes into the movie. Why did Janet need to wait 45 minutes into the movie? Or why did the writers need to wait 45 minutes into the movie of to explain the history? Like, why Why couldn't that have – like, you're trying to save everyone. You, you know, it would be helpful for them to know. So to me, that was frustrating because I'm like, eh, this – you're waiting an awful long time and we already know Kang is coming. Um, you could hold it off a little bit more without knowing anything about Kang, but knowing Kang's coming around the corner – doesn't really make as much sense. Um, so I, I wasn't a fan of that. Also, in this movie, you just don't really care for any of the Quantum Realm characters. Um, they they're, they just are... They're there. I mean, they're, some of them are fine. Some of them are funny. Some of them, the, like, blob guy who you take the ooze from, like, he, he's funny. He's a cute little character. But, like, you just don't care for any of them. I'm not saying in a show you would build up tremendously for them, but give them a little bit more time to just care for them. Um, especially since we only get one quote unquote main character that dies and he's without a face, but no one really cares because didn't really get to know him. Um, so that, that's the route I would have taken, but, um, getting back just to my overall, overall thoughts of the movie. Um, I think it's. I do think it's the best Ant Man film. I think the first one's solid. Ant Man and the Wasp is also solid. I think Ant Man and the Wasp does a better job of showing the Pym technology and how that plays into the real world. Where being in the quantum realm, you lose that. Not that I would say that being in the quantum realm wasn't the right choice. It just you kind of lose some of the the charm that the first two Ant Man movies have. That just made it a little bit more fun. Um, but I still thought it's the best Ant Man film. Kang, I feel differently about Kang after my second watch because at first I felt like he was underpowered. You know, he doesn't win at the end or we don't think he wins at the end. Um, but rewatching it again, I think they do Kang perfectly until the end. I just, I wish, going into this movie, I really wanted to see Kang, you know, like I wanted to see how powerful Kang would be. 
And by doing that, he would need to unalive a main character, whether that be Ant-Man, whether that be Hope, whether, you know, like somebody to just show like, I'm not here to mess around. Like that, that is what struck us about Thanos is he wiped away half the Avengers. Um, so that's really my biggest complaint with Kang is that we don't get that final, like, this is me, like, whatever. Um, but I thought the writing for Kang was really done. Like he has some really awesome lines. He feels very dark, Darth Vader-esque at times. Um, like even just the movie in general, like, I mean, it's a sci-fi film feels very Star Wars like, um, but Kang kind of gives me a Darth Vader feel and. I mean, it definitely makes me excited to see him in future movies. I think Jonathan Majors is a phenomenal actor. I just wish at the end he would have won in some way seeing, you know, ultimately him kill a character to to show how powerful he really is. Um, the movie is stunning. I think it's a beautiful movie. I know some people complained about the visual effects. I had no problem with it. I thought it was really pretty. I thought the world building was really cool. We don't, we haven't really gotten that in many Marvel movies. Like really, Guardians of the Galaxy is really the only film. Um, but I thought I thought the Quantum Realm was really cool. I thought even just the scene grabbing the drinks, meeting Bill Murray's character, like I thought that was cool and fun. Um, sue me, but I, I I thought it was cool. I, like world building is one thing Marvel because it's placed in the real world more often than not. You don't get that, but I thought they did a good job in this movie. Um, the humor is hit or miss. There are parts where it's really funny. There are parts where I'm like, eh, probably didn't really care. Um, at first, I liked the new characters, but then I'm like, eh, don't really care for them. Um, but yeah, I, I did think they were starting to shy away from some of the cheesy humor. And, and part of it also, too, was just Paul Rudd's character. Um, the humor kind of fits. One thing that did change after that I, I didn't like at first, but I, I liked his character more... Uh, my second time around was Modoc. Um, I think I wanted Modoc to be more serious, not realizing he was, he was a, you know, like he was there for humor. Um, and his character was funny. I liked him second time around. Um, the end scenes when he dies is is hilarious. Um, but overall, this the story is just very cluttered. They're trying to fit a lot into two hours. It's all over the place. There's too many moving pieces. Some of the writing isn't great. Um, It's it's a messy film, but it's still a fun film. Like, I thought I was going to be bored my second time watching it, but I was just as entertained, still had a lot of fun. Both post-credit scenes are awesome. Like, most times we get excited for post-credit scenes because it teases another project. And I mean, this kind of does, but it has more to do with the continuation of a character which is Kang um they both have to do with Kang teases Loki season two which is so exciting um but yeah overall overall um I thought it was fun I liked it more than probably most people will I gave it a 7.7 out of 10 I think I have it 20th on my list of Marvel movies um so it's still a perfect. It's a perfectly mid movie. There's nothing incredible about it. Nothing that I think makes it a bad movie. I think it's a good start to Phase Five and overall a uh, just a solid Marvel movie. But that is my spoiler filled review of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Fun movie. 
Kang's, you know, great, even if there are some shortcomings at the end of the film for him. Um, I still think that most people enjoy this more than uh, some of the critics that are, are a little bit more negative about it. So that's it for me. This upcoming weekend got Run Disney Princess Weekend. We'll be covering all of that next week. Um, so, yeah. Hope you like if you you seen Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, if not, definitely recommend going to see it. Um, it's You'll be very confused moving forward with a lot of the big Marvel projects without seeing this movie or uh, Loki Season 1 or soon to be Loki Season 2. So um, if you don't want to be confused with the MC moving forward, this is probably going to be a movie you're going to want to see. So I will uh, excited to run the 5K on Friday, and then I will talk to you guys next week. See you back on Journey into Paul's Imagination.